Hello, everyone, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock, and I am happy to welcome back in the studio with me, Colin Doyle. Thanks, Mike. It's good to be back. Sorry I missed last week. It is great to have you back. Um, Right off the top, I do want to say thank you to all the listeners out there. I have received, and I don't know if you have encountered this as well. I know you're at the game this week, so maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but the tremendous amount of <laughs> the tremendous amount of positive feedback about the podcast this year has been overwhelming it's uh it's been great you know every once in a while i'm getting a random email from a fan just saying how much they enjoy the podcast this year and uh not maybe they i'm sure they enjoyed it previously as well but uh it just seems like this year there's a lot more people that seem uh even more willing to step up and say something positive which is Again, in today's world of keyboard warriors and such, it is nice to actually have somebody uh, take the time and say something positive. So all those folks, good on you for being positive, first of all. And secondly, thank you for uh, the kind words. I will echo it. I've heard some great things, so I I certainly appreciate it. I obviously have no idea what I'm doing, but even more importantly... (laughs) Thank you all for making Mike feel good and being positive. It's, oh, it helps all, right. all of us around here. Yes. So we really do appreciate it. We hope to bring you some good insight. As this season moves on, obviously, things will only get more and more intense. So I'm really looking forward to breaking things down with you and hearing your take and having these great discussions. So here's, so, to, here's to moving forward. All right. So Friday night, uh, the Toronto Rock, uh, they survive, I think, at the end of the game anyways, uh, and win 12-11 over the San Diego Seals. Um the first and only meeting between the two teams, first ever meeting between the two teams, obviously with San Diego, San Diego being an expansion team this year. Um, I, it's tough sometimes to figure out a place to start with games, and I think this is one of them, and we've had a brief off-air conversation about this game, so full disclosure. Um, but uh, this was a game where the Rock didn't seem like they were in danger of losing which I think we agreed on off air but I think it was also a game where I think it was at times waiting for the rock to just run away with it but in the end they didn't need to if that even makes sense and I I don't know I I think this discussion gets a little clearer if if the seals are able to get one with that five minute penalty and then carry that in overtime and potentially the rock lose this discussion probably looks slightly different today I don't think the rock played poorly but I feel like they didn't give their best. And uh, in the end, like you said off air, a couple of small two, three goal runs were enabled them to stay, quote, unquote, in the game. Yeah. And it would have caught up with the Rockhead, Nick and their man down, not been so sharp at the end of the game, but it didn't. And my feeling is no different than yours. Uh, in, my, in my opinion, I feel like the Rock had, had that game in hand. Um, and I don't think it was their best. Now, if you're the seals you take a totally different angle at that and you move forward with the with the understanding that look we just played with the big dogs in this league we're not far off so i get their outlook if that's indeed what it was i haven't heard you know one way or the other but you know though that that group is going to preach internally that you know we were right there with the best team in this league um let's continue to work at the things get a little bit better if we see them again we've got a shot i think so for the Rock, you move past it. You get into a big divisional matchup this weekend. And, you know, it's just one of those meh games. That's how it felt like to me from where yeah. I was sitting. But, you know, everybody views these things differently. Um, the Rock looked like a championship caliber team that took care of business against an expansion team. The Seals looked like an expansion team 
coming in and were really close with the champs. And, you know, less Brody Merrill, which I think makes a significant difference for that team. So they'll pull the positives out of there, no doubt. Um, and I think the Rock, you know, at this point, uh, we'll talk about some of the great stuff they did and some of the stuff they didn't do so well. But, you know, they'll just move on and hopefully keep this thing moving forward. Well, I think special teams were, were very big in this game. We'll dive deeper into that. The Rock power play ended up going four for six. San Diego's power play two for six. Um, we talked about those, the the two goal, well, I guess a three goal run and a two goal run that I think, like you said, kept them relevant in the game in the third quarter. Um, a part of that three goal run, two of those goals came 16 seconds apart. And then the Rock came back, as we say, special teams. They got one shorthanded from Shallon Rogers when he blew by Garrett Billings through the middle of the floor fact and and then tom schreiber scores on the power play but then shortly after that san diego answered with two goals in uh 24 seconds so there were a couple of those quick strikes that san diego had that that kept the game closer i think than maybe it was but it is what it is and it was a one goal game going into the fourth quarter and to skip ahead um san diego does get a goal on the power play to again make it a one goal game with just under five minutes to go and then the penalty mm-hmm. the major penalty adam jones goes to the net frankie Shiliano gets bumped he goes down he's hurt on the play referees call a five minute major it, it's a difficult position for i think any official to be in at that game because i think not only i'd love to get into the mind of an official a little bit on this because you're sitting there with two and a half minutes to go. It's a one-goal game, a five-minute major that could carry into overtime. So this has major implications, this call, right? Not only, you know, just because it's, you know, you're giving a team a, a five-minute power play, but just the, the stage, the point in the game that it's at, and the fact that, you know, there's a pretty good chance they score. I, and that there's a pretty good chance that this now puts them on the power play in sudden death overtime. Like that was a very big call. You, you better know? be certain. And yeah, I, and I agree with you there. And uh, when the call was made, I thought, oh, are the odds ever stacked against the Toronto Rock right no now? Doubt. No I, doubt. I thought, that, like, you know, there's one way that this could play out that is pretty likely, and I thought it was that the Rock were going to lose the game. Storylines again, Mike. Eh? Exactly. Story. Love think it. of that storyline. We could have. But <laughs> what a storyline! The other way to be the rock defense that just mortgaged their bodies in the last, you know, two minutes of that game. The number of shots that were blocked by some of those guys out there. I might on. as well have three goalies out there. Mortgaged their bodies. You've been sitting on that one for some time. No, that honestly, I was gonna say. I, I don't say, believe you. No, mortgage their body. No, honestly, that yeah. was on the fly. They I did swear. an incredible <laughs> job. Uh, their defense all game long, if you ask me, did an incredible job. We talked off air quickly, you know, and I've I've been on this since you and I have started this. What what amazes me about their defense is they still have breakdowns. They still give up chances, but when it's a ball carrier against a, one of our defenders. Man, our defenders just make everybody look so, so much slower. Uh, our speed and our size and our strength, it, it dictates. And if if even some of their better players with the athletic, with, that don't have the athleticism that our guys do, if they get trapped without an outlet or without a pick coming, man, just watch our guys swarm them and put them down. And they had a few on that team that just could not match that, and, and every team will. And I go back to that Georgia game where I said the same thing. I said, aside from um, – 
Lyle, they just couldn't match our athleticism. So when this turns into a one-on-one game, uh, you know, we're going to win these matchups time and time again because there is not the athleticism and the speed on any offenses that I've seen that can come in and, and rival ours. I do think we'll see it maybe when Buffalo comes to town. Uh, but that ball's got to move against our defense, and those feet got to move. If you're sitting still, and you're a low-hanging fruit. And, you know, our stout defensive play led to a lot of transition opportunities too. So, um, again, just it, that's what's amazed me the most this year from our from our defensive group. Never, group, never mind how they get up the floor, never mind the risks they're willing to take and trust they have in transition, never mind the production we're getting from them, and never mind our man down. One-on-one defensive play is as good as I've seen it in a long time. Well, and I think also what some of the things are showing that have, that have happened in these games is, uh, and I mean, maybe again, it's a sports cliche, but the level of buy-in I think on this team right now is very high. I think the willingness to put your body on the line and do those types of things at that point in game, I mean, that's the way you're going to win the game. And these guys are willing to do that. I think the buy-in level is very high. And I also think, you know, I don't know, you see some things on social media from some of these guys. And I think sometimes, you know, guys are, you know, and this is a generalization about athletes, but sometimes guys are posting stuff to post stuff, right? Put up a picture, excited about the big game or whatever. But then you see some things and you're like, no, I think that's coming from the heart. Like these guys believe it. And, and just I saw a tweet from Tom Schreiber just saying, you know, like love this team after the win, right? And I thought... I feel like that, for me anyways, is coming from the heart from Tom. It seems like he is really invested in this. And I talked to him last week. I know you weren't here, but I had a quick interview with him last week on the pod. And and really just seeing, you know, I think his level, like how much he loves it here. And, uh, you know, he had a bit of a tough run in that game. He he had a big hit on him early in the game. He had an exchange with Adrian Sorchetti there as well during the game where he kind of got bumped up a little bit and and maybe wasn't quite, uh, I think, himself through the whole game. But um, some of these guys, I I just think, I don't know. There's, I said it last week at the end of the podcast too, and it might have been, it might have come across as a bit sappy or whatever, but I I just sense something a bit different about this team this year and, and just where they are right now. And I don't feel like the foot's coming off the gas pedal here. Not, not at all. And I know you think there's going to be, again, from our pre-show conversation, that there could be some struggles here that come along the way. but um, And I'm sure there will. I don't think this team is going to win every game the rest of the way. Right. But I think they've had some struggles within games and overcome it already. I don't think they've been pushed a ton. No, I'll agree, and, I'll agree and, with you. And there, our listeners sure, yeah. can take the side of, you know, yeah. the player who played 20 years in the league or, or yourself, <laughs> and they obviously will. And if you feel because of a tweet took, that Tom Schreiber – It only took like six episodes, if seven you feel, episodes for that to go If you feel out. that a tweet that Tom Schreiber sent out indicates that, you know, this team's I'm, all in, then that, so be it. I'm a big storyline guy. I, on the other guy. hand, don't. I'm a big storyline guy. My storyline here right. is they're far from out of the woods here. Yeah. They have shown for the first half of the year, which is – the least important half of the year that they are the class of this league and Fair. they haven't had in my opinion they haven't had the turmoil that maybe you've seen I haven't seen it I, I thought in a game or two they got pushed and they overcame it yep. um, it's coming it's 100% coming they're gonna get 
They're going to get stuck with some injuries. Their depth is going to be tested. You know, they're going to have games where Nick isn't Nick. And yeah. we haven't seen that yet. It's coming. It's going to happen. They'll have to ride it out. Um, I'll be shocked if it doesn't. But, you know, that will be the telltale sign of this team. I get what you're saying. I, I believe wholeheartedly that this team has a different feel to it. They have a championship feel to it, no doubt. But, you know, there's tougher days ahead. And yep. I, I, I'm not going to make any assumptions this early on. So um, I appreciate what you're saying. I never believe everything, I, anything I see on social media from players at all. I don't, I don't believe any of it, ever. End of story. I just don't buy it. Uh, not a thing. Nothing. The, the wow. truth is right. what I see when they play. Yeah. So, you know, that's my opinion. Um, and you know what? When they get tested and how those players show out, then, you know, that's what I'll base my opinion on, how much buy-in they got and how much interest this is to them to win it. So we have differing views on that, yeah. as we do many things. But, I, you know, I, I do hear what you're saying. I believe this team is has shown that, they are on a different level now. Uh, you know, I look forward to these Buffalo matchups. I can't say that enough because Buffalo's a team, and not to get off topic here, we may, maybe you wanted to tap this up later, but Buffalo seems to be like a team without being in the dressing room um, that really has a good thing going too. Yep. Um, I feel like they've kind of discovered what they are, and they're going to be this free-flowing bunch that has a ton of fun, and they're winning some games. They're scoring a lot of goals. They've been tough to stop. So, um, you know, with what I think is our great defense, I can't wait for that matchup. So, you know, we'll see. So, yep, we'll uh, we'll move forward. It was a win. Uh, one I think we both thought they should have had. Uh, who did you like out of their end? What did you like out of their team? Hmm. I th- that was the That's first good question. Time. I, I was hoping maybe to see a bit more from Austin Stutz. Um you know, tough to do that with, you know, yeah. Latrell Harris, Challen, like, Challen, yeah. like, again, this just goes to my point. Like, you're going to have to earn your keep against these guys. Yeah. And lo and behold, I think they got four out of Jackson yeah. that maybe has 10 on the year. And that's, I think, a byproduct of probably so much attention being paid. Um, but that's the first time I've seen Austin Stats really play. Yeah. Um, I think maybe he played once when I was in Six Nations but I was impressed I, I thought he moved really well and he is a load man yeah and he shoots the ball hard he passes it hard he has good vision he's a fiery character there's a lot of good there um but you know I think a guy of that talent for us to hold him to one again it just it, it's pretty impressive what it was did. a nice goal it was gorgeous goal yeah <laughs> I thought Billings was okay. Uh, yeah. he, he created some chances, and he was aggressive. Kind of saw a little bit of his old self there. Uh, defensively, I felt like they had a hard time with our group. We ran them a little bit in transition. Yeah. Uh, but I thought their goalie played really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they got some good things moving forward. And I think, you know, Brody at this point with that team is a big piece for them to, to miss. Defensively, leadership, all those things. So, I do, do the Rock play them again this year? Nope. That was the one and only. That's it, eh? So, we'll wait and see. Uh, you know, judging from that, do they have a shot out west? I I don't know what to make of out west because it, it. I think you know, five hundred is looking really good right now in the west, which means I I, I don't know. I mean, like you say, we're we're not we're basically at the halfway point for pretty well almost everybody now, or or everybody will hit it this weekend. Um, Again, in a one game, right, winner take all, some of these guys, they get hot. Maybe they do have a shot in the West. I think they'll make the playoffs. Agreed. Um, how far they go, I don't know. I mean, it's 
you know, going back to the one game, one and done, um, throughout the first two rounds of the playoffs now, I, I think, you know, I, it, it can be anybody's game, right? So I, I don't see, you know, these guys, if you sit there and say, you know, does do Dawson or Billings or Buchanan, some of these guys who are a little bit older, do they have one big game in them? You know, that they could be the difference in a game. And then we talk about Austin Stotts as well. He clearly has big games in him. When are they going to come out? Hopefully in the playoffs and, and through the, down the stretch here to, uh, to get them into a good spot come playoff time as well. So I think... I think there's the pieces there to to have them go, but again, you have to. I, I still think, and this probably isn't going out on a big limb here, but you know, I, I think he still have to go with Saskatchewan to. I think to so figure too. things out while while they're still not as good, maybe just because of some of the personnel that's not there, but the personnel that is still there. I agree with you, and I, I'm going to be. In, uh, Although I, Calgary is becoming. Yeah, they've a turned a corner, card. but I don't. Th- I I want to say the same thing, and I will say the same thing until Saskatchewan proves otherwise. They're the team to beat out there, but they're slowly proving to me otherwise. They're not trending in the other direction. Yeah. Um. So again, they got a huge second half with a lot of veterans and a lot of firepower to prove me wrong. But, uh, you know, if in the West, I think it's anybody's ball game. Really no different in the East, to be quite honest with you, when the one-game knockouts. Yeah. Like, it's just wide open. The one thing I do want in a one-game knockout is the better goalie. Yep. And I think what we've seen in the last two weeks, Dylan Ward's starting to find his groove a little bit. And if Colorado can put together a little streak here, get themselves in a decent position maybe to host their first game, and Dylan can get – and that would obviously mean that Ward is back on track. I think that – that out west is something to keep an eye on. The goaltending in Saskatchewan has not been good, and it looks like they're a little lost as to what their answer yeah. is. Um, and then you got Calgary, who's got a young goalie who can steal them games, and some players in that on that offense that can steal them games. So you you, you hit the nail on the head. There's that's the big thing in these games. You either need to have a guy or two that can go off for five or six, and a goalie that can keep you in it, or roll with a great goalie like the Rock do. And with an offense that can spread it out. And I think this week was uh, another great example of what happens when Tommy, Adam, and Rob aren't maybe firing the way they were or the way they should be. You get yeah. all sorts of help from Paulus, Littner, and Craig, who were all outstanding, and then the transition chip in. So, again, those are the two ways you're going to win in the playoffs with these one-game knockouts. So it will be an interesting second half. I thought San Diego was okay. I think they have a shot out west. They'll, I think they'll be in the mix. Um and you know what? We'll have this conversation maybe six games from now, see if we think they got a shot. they got a lot to prove yet. Okay. Let's take a short break, and then uh, when we come back, we'll also talk a little bit about uh, some other stuff that Colin had going on uh, over the weekend, uh, both in Toronto and in Oakville. All right, so stay tuned. Stay with us. More Toronto Rock Total Access in a minute. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Colin Doyle here to bring this one home. Uh, Doyle, you had a very busy weekend. Not only were you at the game on Friday, but during the day, 
you had some action going on on the floor at Scotiabank Arena that continued on through the weekend. And anybody uh, following, uh, I hate to bring up social media again here. <laughs> I don't the hate track, social the media. Track Athletics, I, track I, athletics uh, Instagram and whatnot, they would have saw you in action and, and some of the stuff that was going on. And I can say coming up this week on torontorock.com and through our social channels, you'll see uh, a little bit more of what Colin was up to. But... Let's get it right from uh, Colin himself. What what exactly was going on this weekend? Well, we had uh, Cam Holding, who's the defender transition player for the Seals, uh, approached us a little while ago about bringing his group from Michigan up. Um, he had asked about, you know, wanting to get him up here for the game, wanting to get some games in on Saturday. So we set something up with him where all his players showed up Friday afternoon. Uh, we put them through a great box clinic at the Ace, or at Scotiabank Arena on Friday for three hours before the game uh, they all got to do a little bit of sightseeing and then you know obviously we heard them and saw that big section probably over 200 and yeah. some odd kids and parents uh, during the game they saw a great box game for many of them the first one they had ever seen their first uh, really? you know, quality wow. box lacrosse game um, so the parents were really through the roof on Saturday when when we reconvened Cam had his groups here all day he brought with him a peewee band a midget and a junior or a high school team and you know whereabouts in Michigan are they East Lansing which is where Michigan State is where Cam coaches the Michigan State lacrosse team okay and you know his his notion was I want our guys who are a great field club uh, to come up here and see some great box lacrosse teams and you know I want you to push us a little bit so we pulled from our rock elite leagues and we were able to put together some great teams and we played them all day long so each each of his teams got two teams against uh, two games against ours and of the eight games probably seven were really close games and you could see the gap get closed a little bit, you know, between game one and game two. Uh, so it was an incredible event. It was it made for two very long days, but very exciting to see a group so eager to play box and play it well. Uh, they gave us great games. They pushed hard. Um, you know, I think their experience is, is what probably hurt them in the long run. But, you know, neither team was here to win. Uh, just wanted a great experience and when the chips were down obviously I'm sure I I know I wanted to win with our group and I'm sure Cam thought the same thing on his end but at the end of the day we wanted to play good clean lacrosse we had NLL referees in here or NLL referees in training so the games were very well officiated obviously we're at a world-class facility and I know in speaking with many of the parents and kids on their way out on Saturday night um, it was something that they they really got a lot out of so something I want to move the needle forward in, in years coming I think it's great for our kids to play meaningful lacrosse in, in the winter and I think it's great for for U.S. groups to come up here and, and give it a shot so uh, thanks to Cam and his group True Michigan uh, unbelievable experience not only for his guys you know our parents were raving too so what a way to what a way to burn a Saturday play a ton of box lacrosse and you know you know we had great coaches here as did he and the experience and the event there was just a really good vibe around it so Many of his players obviously hoping they had pulled that one out on Friday, but like I told them on Friday afternoon, I wasn't going to be near as nice on Saturday had they beat the Rock. So <laughs> it was uh, all in all a great experience. Everybody's on the road Saturday night, and some of them stayed. But, yeah, it was uh, it was unbelievable. It was great to see the Toronto Rock Athletic Center pumping, and it was great to see 200 and change eager lacrosse fans cheering on the Seals. It was really cool. Um Cam Holding's kind of an interesting story, right? Because he, I think, moved to Michigan while he was maybe in high school or something and still made the drive back to play Junior A in Whitby and now coaching down in the States. And I guess his program down there is mainly focused on field, obviously, like you're saying, but or 
Are they, they must trying have to some, do both? I, I think he really wants to have an influx of box lacrosse and good box lacrosse because they were much far beyond other U.S. groups we had worked with. So they yeah. had been experienced maybe two or three years. But he says it's going to continue to be a focal point for his group's training in the offseason. Huh. So, yeah, they are primarily focused on on field. And But he, he wants his players to truly feel box lacrosse. And this is where the lack is in the U.S. right now. There are groups across the U.S. doing it right with great coaching and really yeah. showing them how it's done right. And then there's groups that, you know, again, air quote, play box lacrosse that looks nothing like what we're used to. So I can tell by how good his group were that uh, he's been working with them for some time. they got some work to do for sure. But, you know, they're there. And I would assume if we do this again next year and every year moving forward, we'll see the experience even better. This is going to go slightly off topic here, but just thinking about box lacrosse in other countries, yada, yada, yada. Um, have you ever thought about getting involved in any of these other teams that are going to like the world indoors and stuff like that and coaching, getting involved in any of these? No, I've never thought about okay. it. I, um, I just start to see a lot of guys getting involved in these teams in different parts of the world, Austria, Israel, all over the place, and going over for a couple of months to or a couple of weeks to some of these spots and coaching these teams and – yeah, I think it seems like an all right gig. Yeah, I think it's a great <laughs> tool to see the world and become acquainted with a with a new culture, and especially if you get a group that's basically brand new. Um, you know, you have a big influence on how that program grows. Yeah. So I think it's great. I, I see the same things. There's obviously lots of players I played with or against doing that across the world. So no, it's not something I've thought of, hmm. but uh, certainly something that I can see as big time beneficial uh, throughout North America and beyond. So. I've always thought, I've always thought if lacrosse were to go to the Olympics, box, box lacrosse would be the better game. Yeah, I always have, I always will. It's so exciting, and uh, I know the the national or the international game is field, but you know, in, in reading some of the articles that are coming out, it seems like they're trying to change field to a smaller surface less player it almost feels to me like it's a, it's a direction they're going but yeah the one thing I could say about you know keeping it r- relatively on topic the true Michigan kids that were here you know just watching them play the, this game is so exciting and the kids have so much fun playing and it brings me back to when I was a kid there was no comparison being in the yeah. box playing lacrosse was the best thing the best experience the best memories that I had as a kid it's a it's a fun game because it's forever moving you get a little rest on the bench before yeah. you know it, you're right back out there. Yep. Um, so anyway, it was great to see them. One of their kids scored an amazing goal that hit some social media love, and uh, yes, it was uh, it was amazing goal. So it was great to see, but just to, to watch the kid, the look on his face when he turns around like, oh, my gosh, did I just do that? <laughs> and then to watch his teammates kind of jump yeah. in on him, it was a really good feeling. And like I said, it's just that camaraderie, that camaraderie, that teammanship, you don't always see that in field. It's a very individual game sometimes, and – um, one player can have such an impact. I think in the box here, it's it's just so much back and forth that you've really got to be 15, 16 kids strong. Yeah. And it's nonstop, and it doesn't rely on any one player. And I think that that enables everybody to be involved, and that's what I love about the game for kids. Um, our kids are starting to understand that, and, and I think you know these kids from Michigan got to see that firsthand. Did I see in some of the clips that your daughter Brooklyn was out there too? She was. Her first – well, she did a little bit of box across in L.A. last year. 
yeah. at a U.S. event. But uh, this was really her first experience. So she was uh, she did great. It was nice to have her out there in a rock jersey. Um, <laughs> she seems to be. I kind of heard you really it. coaching her in the one clip. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hopefully I was do being you, friendly with her. Do you, as a coach, do you find that sometimes you're oh ever more focused on? No, not more focused. Not more focused, but you're more, like very aware. I'm aware, especially out there, because I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. You know, I didn't want her to get killed out there. But, yeah. you know, I knew she'd be fine because I know all the, the guys on the team, and I knew they'd look after her, and I made a deal with the whole team. I said, you know, if Brooklyn scores a goal, you're all going to get ice cream. So that kind of <laughs> lit the fire a little bit. I think it hurt our overall offense because I think they are just trying to get her a goal. But, you know, we had some fun. It was nice to see her out there. Um, hopefully something she does a little bit more of, but yeah. really irrelevant. I don't get become super focused on her or just – I like seeing her do well, yeah. obviously, uh, you know, as a parent, that's what we want to see. But, yeah, we had 17 other kids to coach along. So yeah. it was great for my for my peewee group uh, and the Bantam group, the kids that I know well from from our program. It was great to see many of the Bantams again. So it was a great weekend. Truly, truly loved it. Now, you've just talked about how much, uh, you know, playing box across as a kid is some of your favorite memories. Have you seen – has Brooklyn fallen in love with the game in the same way you think you were in love with the game at that age? Or She's fallen in love with the field game, yeah. I think. Uh, no no doubt about it. She truly loves playing field. Box is new to her, and I think she's still very timid. So I don't know if she'll play again. I'd like to keep her involved, especially if there's some girl stuff out there, like all girl stuff that I could put her in. But she has a passion for lacrosse like I did, yeah. no question, and she, she truly loves being around it. That's great. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's uh, shift gears to this weekend. Uh, the Toronto Rock taking on the New England Black Wolves. A Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock start at Mohegan Sun. So a bit of an early start, but good news for the guys. It means that they can all get home Sunday night and uh, be ready for a, a new week on Monday. But, uh, you know, this New England team has been up and down. It's a roster that sometimes, to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure what it is, but then other times I watch them and I'm like, uh, you know what, maybe these guys have a little bit of life to them. Stephen LeBlanc was, uh, you know, pretty good on the score sheet last week. I think he ended up with uh, four goals, I think, on Sunday. And um, he's looked uh, at sometimes like old Steph, um, putting the ball in the net pretty regularly. And it's it's just a bit of a different group there, it seems like. Yeah, they've got some people there that maybe were second or afterthoughts with other clubs. But I think generally – more good than bad. Uh, yeah. I don't believe that they're at the top tier of the Eastern Division yet, but I don't mind the way things are going there. Uh, I think so much of that depends on goaltending with them um, because there is some uncertainty there or there is no clear starter, and some games they're going to go in and play unbelievable, and I think those are the games they've been winning, and when, when you have that inconsistency, I think it really hurts them. But, uh, you know, not every team can have a dominant number one guy like like we do. So I think they're making the best of it. They've been in games that they're sitting, I think, five and four right now. Yep. And they're in the conversation, no doubt Which about it. Which would be it. first place in the West. That's right. So, <laughs> like I said, more good than bad. I think, he, you know, Callum Crawford's leading the charge offensively. He moves his feet well. He's got great vision. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if we can guard him. Uh, Steph's had a good year. Riley O'Connor, Tyler Digby, these guys – uh, I, I think have all chipped in really well. Things have gone extremely well for them offensively. I, I, I'm looking forward to the matchup. I think we'll score some goals. So I think they have some inexperience on defense, and I don't think their goaltending is top tier. So I think offensively we'll score some goals. I want to see how we, if we can dictate pace against their offense. 
So uh, that's what I'm mostly excited about. I don't know what to expect either. I don't know this team. I, I just don't know them. Well, and I think even if you're a New England Blackwell fan, I don't know how much you know your team. These guys agreed. have moved moved parts in and out a lot in the last two years. You know, you think about some of the other guys that were yep. there as more cornerstone, like, you know, Johnny Palace was there even for a cup of coffee Wasn't last year. Wasn't Evans there Crowley, for Sean Evans. You know, you've had uh, Kyle Buchanan, who they ended up trading away. Kevin Buchanan was there. was a big part of things. So they've, they've had a lot of different guys. And in the last two years, in various stages, they've had some a pretty big makeover. And Callum Crawford seems to be a guy that at times, I think, does take over and dictate game like the pace of the game. Um, I, I don't know. Like, you know, Steph LeBlanc, he, you know, I just checked that out. I, know, I knew he had four goals on Sunday, but then I looked at, you know, he's got 22 points in his last three games. Steph's kind of starting to heat up, and um, so that's a good thing too. I think what they do I, have after all that movement is yeah. some cohesion, yeah. if nothing else. We saw good players go in there and struggle. Just yeah. obviously wasn't a good fit for them. So if, if anything, they found cohesion at least offensively. And uh, that's usually a good sign. So if they've got, you know, like all good teams do, the one or two top dogs out there and then a good uh, good secondary bunch that know their role and make it hard to defend five on five, then, you know, it seems by their scoring stats that's what they've achieved. It seems by all accounts they're a, a happy, cohesive bunch winning some games. So uh, if nothing else, all those little moves or big moves that you talked about have brought in a group that actually want to be there, want to win for the Wolves. So if that is the case, that will prove them well moving forward. But, you know, me as much as you, as much as Black Wolf, Wolves fans, I, I just want to see this game to see see what they are. And uh, we'll, we'll, see, we'll make some assessments after that game next week. But, yeah, Sunday afternoon dip. Good chance for more separation. Let's hope the Rock can do it. Yeah, you talk a little bit about uh... – the New England goaltending too with uh, Doug Jamison and uh, Alex Bouquet there. Um, it's it's been a I guess a fairly even split so far, but um, I I don't know. Like you're going into an ex- another expansion draft here, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a ton as we get closer to those drafts. But you know you you just hung on to uh, Jamison through the expansion draft, and who do you you just gave up something significant to get bouquet who do you protect oh i don't know i, I like who's your guy i know you're I, saying like you don't think their goaltending is at the top tier quite yet i don't i don't but, know that it ever will be with these two I, I i don't i'm not convinced either one of these guys will be a top goalie in this league because i mean maybe maybe the question even can be answered in the same way as who's the number one goalie right now well, they obviously don't have one i think their well. minutes are split <laughs> straight down the middle and i think yeah. if they had one you know, you would see some minutes marked on the game sheet like in Toronto or Buffalo yeah, or other places like yeah. Colorado where there is a distinct number one. Now, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, this could push both goalies to get that team exactly where they need to go. Yeah. You know, and they may have no idea who their number one is. That generally doesn't work. Well, because you look – they've been through Kirk, Bold, Jameson, <laughs> Bouquet now as a, as a bit of a tent. Like, so what does that tell you? They haven't found a number one. Because if they found a number yeah. one, he'd still be there. And if they found a number one out of these two, he'd be playing more yeah. often than not. So they haven't found a number one. They haven't found – they didn't find one in Kirk or Bold either. So either they're looking, still looking actively for number one or one of these guys is going to play their way into it. And if this team's going to make a run at it, they're going to need goaltending. So one of these two will, yeah. will lead the way. I don't know which one. You know, like I said – I think there's such a drastic drop-off between top tier and then the next level in this league. 
goaltending wise. So it's hard to say, but uh, if they're going to win this game on the weekend and beat the Rock, they're going to need goaltending. That I know for a fact. So they got a long ways to go. I don't think they're thinking right now who should we protect in our expansion draft. They're probably thinking how on earth can we keep winning some games to get us into a playoff spot, maybe even home game. Yeah, it, it's been a while. I've just started to look back at some of the rosters here since they've been in uh, New England, just the amount of change. Like we've just talked about some of the offense and the goaltending. It's it's wild to think all the – like even looking back, Jordan Hall was there for a bit. Like there's, uh, you know, all kinds of names here that – everybody's kind of the number of guys that have gone through there um just because i'm th- they're celebrating that they've been in new england this is their fifth year there no kidding right and yeah which uh, again even this year when they they started talking about some fifth anniversary type stuff i i was surprised it actually had been that long it doesn't feel like they've been there that long but just the number the amount of changeover in that amount of time like you know it just seems odd, and that's why I say that offensive group. It's there's been so much change, and you're saying cohesion now, and it, and it does look like they're starting to come together. But um, it to me, like you know, you're, you've only been there for five years, and you've had such a massive change over already with the guys who are, you know, perceived to be the core of your team. You know, not only in the back end, but almost, almost really a complete overhaul up front. If memory serves me, that franchise came from Philadelphia, and the last yeah. five or six years, Philly was in the Wings were in Philly. Same thing, ton of turnover, yeah. nothing consistent. Yeah. Always looking for it. And back then, it was probably dictated because they probably went through two or three coaches. So you know, you, you change your your culture, so to speak. You change your approach. So they were changing players over a lot. But yeah, this seems weird. It almost has an expansion feel to it. Like players are certainly all can come and go with really no repercussions. But there were big names that they were moving around. Maybe, like I said, they're just trying to find something, whatever that is. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that some of the players that have come and gone, frankly, just didn't want to be there. End of story. So when you get in that position, you try to make maximize your deals, but you've got to move these guys. It puts you in a really tough spot. So I would imagine some of those players just didn't want to be there. Before we go, have we have we discussed on air the Chris Cloutier trade? No, we haven't. I feel like we, we should probably talk that up a little bit before uh... – before it gets a little bit to be too much old news. I feel like your thoughts on it? I mean I, I feel I like Paul Day totally made it crystal clear yes, as did. to where Absolutely. they were on that. Yep. And as to why didn't he get more, I have no idea. I know coaches, GMs have been in that spot and they just want to rid themselves of the headache. And that's that. And they want to send a message down to their team. And, you know, he didn't pull any punches, which I liked when he said this is why we traded him and uh, you know everybody else can on the outside looking in can say well he didn't get near what he should have and you know I would argue that and say well what is the value of that other than a second overall pick that I think they may have miscalculated so Chris Kluge but then here you go so if you so if you have to do it all over again do you trade out of the number two spot then no because is who else you take there well, that Gilray kid's pretty darn good from Buffalo. But you could have traded down and got him. I, I think if they if, I don't, if Buffalo lands in that two two spot, I think they're taking Cloutier. I don't know the players right? well enough. Like, I don't follow it, but I will say this. Yeah. They knew exactly what they were getting. Yeah. So this draft pick is on them. Right. What they got in return is on them. They better turn that into something good. That better work for them. Yeah. Or you forever hold that over that general manager. You mismanaged the pick. 
You didn't do something more with it. You took him. You knew what you were getting. It didn't work out. You traded him seven games in, and you got undervalue on the back. So if the if the Wings turn around and win six games, seven games this year, it, people don't look past that on these yeah. deals. If they win seven games this year, everybody goes, well, good, they did the right thing. They turned the corner. You know, if they end up one win or two wins, you know, then, well, they, they mismanaged and they're to blame for the Kluche mess up. So, you know, on the other end, Buffalo gets a player that I think Steve Dietrich knows very well. Yep. And, I, you know, they're looking, I guess, for more scoring or they just didn't want to pass up on the opportunity to, to get him. I'm not sure where he fits in with that group. But obviously they're going to make it work. You know, it's, it's a tricky thing because, well, what was he in Philly? He was a goal-a-game guy that really was lazy yeah. and didn't get off the floor and cost you a bunch in transition. So, you know, if he's not a marquee piece in Buffalo, he's a fifth guy, you get a goal-a-game out of that, well, you're much happier. Yeah. But when your number two pick, until Crowley got there, your star player gives you that, it looks drastically different. So – you know, I think Buffalo can can prove this is a good deal for them because I think in a in a secondary role he can score some goals. He'll help you on the power play and do a few other things. But you know, ultimately, when you're building a franchise around somebody, I think the expectation is slightly different. And I don't think Philly was happy with that. Obviously, I do, I'm not saying that. This is the words of Paul Day, straight up. Yeah. So uh, interesting trade for sure. Um, but that's my take. I just think it's something that they obviously decided they had to do. Yeah. And Geez, I don't know what the dealings in the back end were. If Toronto was offered them or if Colorado was offered them or if these teams out there that are starving for goals were even offered him or if this was just like, let's just move on and take this and get out of here. I, I really don't know. Do you know? No, I, I don't know. And I think, like you say, this is going to be something down the road if if they can, uh, you know, I don't want to say turn Chris Cloutier into what he was supposed to become, but – just if he does become what he's like, Buffalo got a steal. Absolutely. Massive steal, I think. that's. But, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of coming around maybe to maybe reading between the lines a little bit on what you're saying. But I think this is what you're saying. You know, you've, you've had a general manager clearly identify maybe that there was a miss on the pick and that, you know, maybe he didn't see them coming out of the woods anytime soon on this and he did cut bait at a good time in his mind. And maybe he doesn't care what becomes of Chris Cloutier. Yeah. But right now, there was an expectation level that, you know, obviously Chris Cloutier did not hit. Yeah. And, you know, as a general manager, as a coach, you have to sit there and go, what message are we sending to the rest of this group? If, if this is the expectation, yeah. the bar's here, and our star player, our franchise, is way down here. Yeah. So – it's cutting bait to say, look, we've got to send a clear message here. And I think that's all it was. And whatever they got in return, they'll have to make the best of because they know they're losing a guy who could potentially be something one day. But, you know, that staff doesn't have five years to sort this out. And I think it's... But how much time do they have as an expansion team? Because the other, I'll say, argument to that, you're seven games in to an expansion season and now you've moved out. And some of the spin publicly was that getting one of the first round picks back that they had to, you know, quote unquote, give up to get to get Kevin Crowley, that there was a bit of recoup of assets to sure. restock the cupboard. But, but then you're thinking like, well, the pick they're getting back is not going to be second overall. So look more than likely. Right. So that, uh, that's why I think this trade is, 
is fascinating and it is going to, like, you know, whatever path the Philadelphia Wings take here over the next few years could be so dictated by this trade and the philosophy and all that kind of stuff. That's why I think it's a fascinating, it's one of the, it could become one of the more fascinating NLL trades maybe that has ever taken place. I think the bottom line is if, if you're being honest with yourself yeah, and if we're being honest with each other, this isn't just that issue. There's more here that have to do with culture and building a franchise. There has to be, I don't know what it was. You don't know what it was, but there was the issue of being out of shape. And then I can almost guarantee you there was something else that did not blend well with where they were going, where they're trying to get to. Yeah. And if your star player is hindering that, and I'll use the, I use the term star player very loosely here because you he know, played seven games. This is a, this no. is a potential star. We all think that. Everybody might think that. But ultimately, I think when 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 that's at play, and I applaud them if they're doing this to send a message to their team. I really do. At no expense is one player more important than the team. And at no expense, you know, we have expectations here, and they may not be win the NLL championship, but we do have an expectation for this team to win in this in this city. And their window isn't huge to win again in that city. I promise oh, you that. Yeah. And the expansion window isn't very big. Um, but if you're having friction with that and you're having trouble moving where you at least want to get to, then you got to make a move. So um, I don't think Paul Day, the coaches, said, well, what if he's good three years from now? There's the, we, we've got to fix this now. There probably was more issue than you and I know, and they made the move. So, yeah. you know, here, here he is in Buffalo. He gets a chance to play with an unbelievable offense. He probably gets to be a secondary piece. And, you know, what becomes of Chris Gluche is ultimately up to Chris Gluche. Yep. End of story. So um, we, we, we wait and we see. But you're right. It's a very interesting trade. And that's why I, that's be, why it, I think we don't know everything that was yeah, going on. Yeah, it, it's going to be a fascinating one here to track, uh, you know, even to think, you know, not only what Chris Cloutier becomes, where that pick ends up lying. You know, Paul Day said that, you know, those uh, – I think he said it was something, and forgive me if I'm wrong here, but I think he said something around the 2020 and 2021 drafts are the best two drafts coming up in the next 10 years, which I thought was – a fairly aggressive prediction, perhaps saying in the next ten years that those are the two best drafts because, yeah, you know, and but you know he's he's putting himself out there too, like good on him, like he's this is the way it is, this is you know like he's been pretty like there's no like you say he told it like it was so to speak from his angle he was really upfront about the way he felt about everything there was no sugarcoating really of of too much of what he said right? unless you're Derek Keenan. Yeah, three D years down the road is irrelevant to every yeah. team in this league because I'm telling you right now, everybody's just trying to save their job today, and that's just the way it is. Do not look any further yeah. than that. The only general manager in this league to seem to have a perfect handle on the present and the future is Derek Keenan. Yeah, and you can go through trade after trade. Ninety nine percent of the trades made in this league are for the now. Yep. How can I make my team better now so that I can keep my job now? Yeah, you know that's just the way it is. That's just well, and you can look at it even a little bit from Buffalo's perspective. You know, Josh Byrne, he's out. He hasn't played a game uh, in a few weeks here and don't know when he's going to be back. And there's a lefty out, lefty in, Cloutier. They give up a defender and a first-round pick. Boom, like, there you go. And you corrected me there because Steve Dietrich has done a nice job of 
uh, managing assets and getting better in the short term. He has yeah. done a nice job there because they got a good group there. And I think when he, he inherited that team, they weren't great. But, but you know, they didn't make the playoffs last year, and that's a knock against, you know, whatever, yep. the franchise. But if you look where they are now, they had two picks in the draft, I think three and four this year. Uh, they've got great star power there. They have a, you know, in my opinion, incredible – well, and they picked up a goalie, you know, which has, had been yeah. a, a, a sore factor there for years. Mm-hmm. And they've got a defense that can run and score. So they've got a good group. Uh, they've kind of built through the draft, built through a couple of good signings. So he's done a nice job as well. But, I, I like, again, I'm probably oversaying it, overstating it. But the fact is, like, everybody just makes moves to save their job now because, you know, how many G- GMs? You know, I, I, I'm yeah. glad that the 2022 draft is great. But, you know, if your team doesn't win some games, you're not there to draft anyway. So don't sell yeah. me that. The fact, yeah. The facts are always – We've got to make our team better now. And, you know, kudos to him if he really saw that and said, well, I just need a player that can serve a purpose now. Yeah. And if we get a draft pick, that's great. You know, I'll eat saving a little bit of face in the in the present and say, look, I own it. We're moving on. Yeah. But if he, if he helps us win five games this year, whatever's here, I'll take it. Yeah. So that's my take on that. But we'll see what he becomes. I think he's an interesting project because uh, everywhere he's gone, he's had success. You know, not immediate success here. He may have to just be a little wake-up call for him, and he comes out and he's a forty-goal guy in this league maybe yeah. one day. But the game, the game is fast. All right. Well, our uh, our time here has uh, gone by quickly here today. Hopefully it has. Everybody has enjoyed things, and uh, the Rocker on the road for a couple of games here uh, this Sunday in New England to take on the Black Wolves, then a bye week, and then off to Calgary the following uh, Saturday, March 9th, and then back at home. Saturday, March 16th, against the Rochester Nighthawks, St. Patty's Day, Charity Night, Jersey Auction, Smiles Home Foundation. Um, It's going to be a great one. It looks like the crowd is projecting to be probably, I would say, the best of the year so far, which with the March 30th game projecting to surpass March 16th already. So the month of March, big crowds expected uh, on Saturday nights at Scotiabank Arena in Rock City. Rock City, right? Yeah. Rock City. Yeah. <laughs> How did you enjoy your time in Rock City on on Friday night? Just as a fan, you know, we didn't really talk. We've talked about the game. The I enjoyed the what? game. I enjoyed the game. I had a good experience. Saw some. Were there a few other Rock alumni with you uh, this weekend? Yeah, I had uh, P Box Phil Weather up with me. I had Chappie there running the clinic and uh, Casey Boom Boom Beerns. So yeah, we had a we had a good night. It was great. I saw a lot of friendly fans too. Had a great time. So. My experience is always good at the games. I love watching them. I love our seats. I love people around us. We always have yeah. a good time. My kids love it. So let's get some more to them. And let's start getting behind this uh, this great team. So, yeah, uh, always have a good time down there. Beautiful. All right. Well, get your tickets now, torontorock.com, or uh, swing by the office here and pick them up in Oakville at the track. Uh, grab them at the Scotiabank Arena box office. Uh, all great places. Grab your tickets. And, of course, St. Patty's Day pack is on sale now. Ticket, T-shirt, and a beer for $45. Taxes and fees included on that one. So smoking deal there for you to get you to the game, get you a little St. Patty's garb and uh, a nice That's a great beverage. deal. That nice is a great beverage. deal because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, one beer normally is $45. <laughs> Approximately. Yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> so this is a great deal. Yes. All right. That'll about wrap things up. In the meantime, and in between time for Colin Doyle, I'm Mike Hancock saying that's it. That's all. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access over and done with. We will chat next week.